Listening to MLBC, the Madonna Podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. Life's a ball, so get up on the dance floor. Hey, everybody, it's Liberty. And hey, everybody, this is Stefan. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MLVC. Today on the show, we have founder and editor of Women in Pop magazine, Paul Mitchell. Paul, welcome to the show. Woohoo! Thank you. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thrilled to be here. I guess talk about Madonna for ages on end with no one rolling their eyes at me. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> Friendly spot. Yeah. You're podcasting today from Australia, correct? I am. I am based in Sydney, Australia. And contrary to the cliche, it's not sunny today. It is pouring with rain and it's quite cold. So I'm um, huddled by the heater at the moment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's winter in Australia, right? It is, yeah. Is it, is it really, really? I, I saw a video that it was flooding in Sydney. Is that yeah, the case? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, not not where I am, thankfully, but a lot of people are, mm-hmm. are not in a good place. But floods everywhere. Just don't get <laughs> swept away, you know. <laughs> Just feel free to drop as many Madonna puns as you'd like, Paul. This is as a Madonna podcast, we 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 encourage it. So. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to it, um, Paul. The current issue of Women in Pop features Madonna on the cover. Tell us a little bit about Women in Pop and how did this magazine come to be? Of course. So Women in Pop is a magazine, as you quite rightly pointed out. We also have a, a podcast and a website and we do we started doing live shows as well. And Women in Pop started around well not around, it started in twenty seventeen. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it really came about um, through my obsessive um, you know, passion for, for all things music. Um, and the fact that I've always been uh, I guess particularly attracted by by female pop artists. It's always been my my go-to music. Um, it's always been something that I've thought is far superior to any other type of music within the industry. Um, and so it, it it came from that initial premise, but it also came out of the fact that um, female pop artists and female artists in general have always been completely underrepresented and underrated um, by mm-hmm. the media. Mm-hmm. There has never ever. Even, I'm going to say today, there has never, ever been a full uh, acceptance or respectful commentary around um, female pop artists, um, of which Madonna is a prime example. Um, And I'm, yes, I'm a man and I'm writing about female artists, but um, I've always been a very committed feminist. It's always just been part of my makeup. And even as a very young child, um, you know, you know, five or six, I can remember being annoyed at the way that the women artists were being portrayed on my TV screen or on, on the on the radio, whatever it would be. Um, I was always so frustrated that you would, you might watch the Grammys or the Billboard Awards or whatever it may be, and you would see the women routinely ignored. And these, mm. you know, hoary old white men um, that, that just released rock music would get all the accolades and, and a woman would be completely ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, or you would see, you would tune into to a TV show and 95% of it would, would be men um, performing yep. and you get, you get a token woman at the end. Um, or they would make fun of the women. They would, you know, they, uh, because it was, just, it was just the way it was. It was accepted that way. And that always used to really, really peeve me off. Um, I, I used to 
frustrate me, as I said, even as a young child. And then that kind of, that's always stayed with me, that, that kind of belief that, that women are, are just disrespected in the music industry, despite creating some of the, the best music in music. And also, female artists have, have driven um, pop music. They have driven uh, the whole formation of pop music. They drive mm-hmm. um, changes in society um, far, far more than, than men have ever, ever done. Um, yeah. If you go back to the very beginning of music, there is, um, and I'm going on a tangent here, I'm sorry, um, but, you know, you look at the beginning of music has always been, the cliche is, well, well pop music and rock music started in the 50s with Elvis Presley and the mm-hmm. Beatles and, um, and those type of artists, um, which is a complete uh, fabrication and, and erasure of women. Um, pop music started in the 20s um, with artists like Bessie Smith and Sister Rosetta Tharp, who were women of colour. And, you know, yeah. if you look anywhere into the, the history of people like Bob Dylan and Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley, they're on the record of saying these women are what encouraged me to pick up a guitar and start music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was women that started pop music, um, but that has just been conveniently ignored for, for a century. Um, and people like Billie Holiday and Nina Simone and all these type of artists um, were the foundation of pop music as we know it today. Um, and so all that kind of comes into, into women and pop and the fact that it's just been ignored. And any article you would read about a female artist would never, ever focus on their actual music. It would be on how pretty they look in a nice dress, um, what right. they did on the carpet last week, um, who they're dating, who they're not dating, who they broke up with, um, what other right. female artists they're having a cat fight with, all these types yeah. of um, how old they are, how old they are, exactly, exactly. Um, it never focused on their music, and again, um, uh, that's extremely true for Madonna. Um, yeah. It was never about their music, and and so women and pop, to cut a long story short, came out of that that entire frustration that I had with the music industry. And wanting in my own small way to to give back some kind of not respect because that's that's kind of the wrong word, but to create a publication where where women were celebrated for their artistry and not because of the shape of their body or their pretty makeup or, or that type of thing. Um, and it really just grew from there. And the the whole premise was to promote female artists, both up and coming and established artists looking into the social history of women in music and how bad it's been without trying to be negative and mm-hmm. also giving the, giving the women space to tell their story. So, you know, mm-hmm. our articles are 3,000 words and, you know, six to ten pages, so we do a deep dive into their career. It's not just a couple of paragraphs on a, a happy song they wrote um, recently. Um, and that's where it all, all came from. And um, I think for everything, our, our whole ethos is probably... Um, you could probably tie Madonna to all of it as into how she's been treated as an artist and um, how she's been under underrated and disrespected for 40 years now. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's where it Well, comes and from. speaking of Madonna and women in pop, you have Madonna on the cover of your current issue. This is the second time you featured her on the cover, yes? It is. It is. So she was and on the very first issue, yeah, and now she's on this one. And your current article is titled 40 Years of Provocative Pop. It takes a look back at Madonna's 40 years of music. And 
I thought looking back at the musical accomplishments of Madonna in the way that you did is really amazing to see because, you know, as someone who sort of grew up with Madonna mm. and being a part of as she would release new songs and whatnot, it was it's fun to sort of look back and and have an overview in the way that we can right now of Madonna's career and sort of look back and see how the, the, there were these huge shifts in her music and, and the the styles and the, and the impact that she had, what stood out for you the most when looking back on each decade, because you sort of do a decade by decade look at here's what you did in the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands and the current decade. Um, What stood out for you the most with her music? I think for me, there's a couple of things really that stand out with her when you, when you break it up into decade by decade. I mean, obviously there's, I guess what you'd call the obvious transition in her music, which all artists go through. Um, she started off, you know, with very, um, she started with pop music, you know, it was um, her first album was very much um, pop, dance pop. Um, there was no, no major themes to it. It was just really great, feel good, brilliant um, mm-hmm. pop music. And then obviously she progressed through um, like a prayer in the, at the end of the eighties and, um, erotica in the nineties, ray of light, um, confessions, uh, American life, and into the Madame X period now. So her music has obviously grown um, and, and, and I guess changed structure and what she's, what she's singing about, which is, you know, fair for, for all artists. Um, but I think when you look back at her music, what, the thing that really stands out for me is, and this is, a, this is quite an interesting one, um, is that how, I guess, how much she has... Um, dictated how pop music now sounds today. Mm-hmm. And one mm-hmm. thing that was really interesting for me is if you look back at some of her music from the 80s or the 90s, I know because I was there, that music mm-hmm. was so incredibly different and alien when it first came out. It was yeah. like jaw-dropping. Um, I remember when I first heard the Ray of Light album, it was just mind-blowing. I, I could not comprehend what I was hearing because it was so different. And the Ray of Light song itself, when she does that incredible upper register in the chorus, that was, you know, and I know people around me at the same time, it was like, you know, what the hell is this? This is just boom. It was bonkers. It was, it was. Yeah, it was almost like you would hear it and you didn't understand why she was doing it and it almost sounded like something was going wrong. You know, where it was like, (laughs) this this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you even look at something like Frozen, um, which is obviously very... uh, has a new lease of life, life now with the TikTok revival. I mean, that was like six minutes long and it was a single and it went to number one. Yeah. Like you did not have six minute songs, which were so ethereal and so just strange sounding go to number one. You know, that was not how it worked in pop music. But if you look back at that music now, and I, I can imagine for even someone who's in their twenties now, um, that was not around for that it doesn't sound particularly odd. It doesn't sound, it just sounds like pop music. And I think that's also probably the case of the Erotica album as well. Um, And for things like even earlier, Like a Prayer, and because it was so mind-blowing and groundbreaking at the time, everyone else jumped in on it and and, and started creating music similar to that. Um, The music album as well is another another great example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I remember hearing music as well for the very first time, the single, and again, it was like, 
I, I, at the beginning, I was, like, I was like, I don't even know if I like this. I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't understand Liberty, it. we've had this conversation on the show. Liberty was the same exact way where yeah. I think you had said you didn't even like what it sounded like when it came out. Yeah. Liberty. Well, to be honest, that's really how I have felt pretty much with every lead single of hers, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of Medellin, but only because it is that this element of sort of this doesn't sound like what I was expecting or what's mm. what other artists are doing. I mean, I can, I just think, just thinking about Ray of Light specifically for that particular time, when I'm looking at the musical landscape, we've got Backstreet Boys and, mm. you know, uh, Britney, these are very sugary pop and, mm. mm-hmm, and, and, and she's kind of coming out of left field and as an established pop artist, but I'm going to give you a different just a different path if this is something mm. that you're interested in you know join me mm. um yeah i so. think even if you look back even earlier um even live to tell in, in 86 like live to tell after into the groove like a virgin material girl holiday mm-hmm. live to tell was this incredibly she'd had crazy for you which is about as well but live to tell is a really really serious adult um high class, um, very well produced, like all her stuff, ballad. And to come from what was perceived as a, a teeny pop artist um, in, in 1986, that was a pretty bold move. And even the video, the music video as well, where she's, you know, she's very like a stylized 1930s um, mm. uh, movie star, um, was, I guess, pretty groundbreaking in that time because artists did not do that. Um, you did not have Into the Groove and then release this, you know, very adult um, AOR ballads. Um, yeah. But now, of course, um, pop artists do that all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what stood out for me the most, back to your original question, is is how she has defined the pop landscape. And you only really get a sense of that when you look back over it, you know, every single year um, and how it was it was so groundbreaking at the time, but now it doesn't stand out at all because everyone is doing it. And... Mm-hmm. I guess it ties back to my original point that I was talking about before is that I don't think she's given the credit for that. Um, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. um, acknowledges that to the degree that they should. Um, she um, 100% um, defined the music or, or created the, the landscape of music that we have now. Yeah. Um, and erotica is also another example of that, which was quite, um, you know, it was, it was quite um, confronting when it first came out, but I think it... Mm-hmm. Um, it um, and probably wasn't very popular even among fans at the time, but it now has a whole, whole new um, respect given to what it, what it did to, to music. Now it influenced so many people. So, because you were coming on the show today, I thought it would sort of be great to have a little bit of a discussion about Madonna and her music. We've sort of already started that um, because you sort of analyzed her music one decade at a time. I thought we'd, it'd be fun to sort of like look at her music from each decade and sort of just yeah. an overall general feeling. What's your overall impression of Madonna's 80s music? So I know you sort of alluded to like how some of the earlier stuff was a bit more radio friendly, shall we say? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it sort of it sort of started steering into a different landscape. Um, how do you think her 80s music holds up today versus some of her latter yeah. stuff? I think her 80s music is... Um, I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s, so, um, you know, you're always going to be a little bit biased towards that. And, and you know, I fully acknowledge sure. that music is a personal thing and some people have whatever affects them personally. Um, but I think 
her 1980s input, um, I would argue, is probably the the most perfect pop music that is probably <laughs> we've 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 ever heard um, within the musical musical landscape. Um, she did not miss a beat in in the 80s, um, and that was evidenced by the way that her career played out. Um, again, you don't yeah. really see this much anymore, but every and again, if you didn't live in it, you probably wouldn't think it was anything special. But everything she released was, a, you know, a cultural phenomenon. It was, it, it always charted in the upper reaches of the charts. She was everywhere because of her music. Um, and so I think that her, her 80s stuff is just sublime, um, genius pop music. Um, she had, I mean, she had songs that probably weren't as, as great as others, but I think you would be... For me, anyway, maybe other fans have a different opinion, but I think you'd be very, very hard pressed to find a dud song in in her in her 1980s output. Um, her albums did not have filler on them, is my belief. Um, I know some fans don't like some of her album tracks, um, but I've always been a massive fan of things like Pretender and Stay on the Like a Virgin album. Um, totally, I, me I, too, I, actually. And I know that they don't that doesn't get a lot of traction with some fans. Um, I know it on on the Madonna album is a brilliant track. Um, uh, oh yeah, a, a brilliant track. Um, so I think her '80s music is just um, just in, in, incredible. Um, and yes, it started off a little bit more more poppy and you know dance happy. Um, and by the end of it, um, it was um, with the Like a Prayer album. It, I think it was even better um, because she yeah she wasn't fucking yeah. around by the end of the '80s. No. It was like. Yeah. Madonna's like, I'm going to take you to the dance floor at the beginning of the 80s. And she's like, it's going to be fun. And then all of a sudden it's like yeah. this hard 180 the other way where it's just like yeah. teenage pregnancy, dancing yeah. in front of yeah. burning crosses. It's like, yeah. what's <laughs> happening here? Where have we gone, Madonna? Yeah. You, know, like you can yeah. totally understand why there was such a an upheaval with her and her music because it was. It was like she came onto the scene thinking, you know, wearing like, fun jewelry and and lace mm. gloves and it was like and then suddenly if you look at this it's how is it the same person you know yeah yeah even with the um with like a prayer where she went brunette um it was just this mm-hmm. entire yeah as you say a 360 and what what's interesting about like a prayer and and perhaps it's a just a, a cultural thing of, of of a different decade as well um if Someone today, if Ariana Grande or whoever it may be, um, got on a hill and danced in front of burning crosses and kissed a black, a black Jesus in church, um, they would be cancelled and the outrage would oh, totally. be un, yeah. it would not be sustainable. They would be dropped by their record label. All their sponsorships would be dropped. And, and I know that happened with Pepsi, with Madonna, but Like a Prayer only made her bigger. It only made her more respected. Mm-hmm. It only made her more massive in every sense of the word so it's just in one way it's a representation representation of society there's no internet but it's also a a really strong endorsement of her power um she could do all that and i don't want to say get away with it because it makes it sound like she's doing something wrong but um she was just able to do that and not be um and not be um vilified for it Uh, and and only became even more successful um and i think the 80s was by the end of that period, that really was the was the period where she started to become, I guess, more of a political activist, and and people started to realise there was a lot more to her um, than they yeah. originally had suspected. Yeah. Um, because to them, songs like True Blue and Papa Don't Preach and all that was just lightweight nonsense. 
Even though the context of some of the songs were quite, uh, it was heavy, you know, I mean, you could interpret, you could interpret Live to Tell one way, but if you think of it from, from a survivor's uh, perspective, then, you know, of course that changes the the feeling of the song and, and the meaning for fans. Um, And and you could think that a lot of her life experiences perhaps informed how she changed as an artist from this you know, end eighties. And then let's even segue into, to the nineties, because by that point, I mean, this sort of, this climax had been reached and and in a way it's like, there's just nothing else. There's just no way she can surprise us anymore. And then, you know, here we go, um, into this, you know, thinking of Madonna as a provocateur and a true musical innovator, at least after, you know, like a prayer and, and even Vogue, um, you know, looking into the nineties, you know, would you think that it's possible really to separate Madonna from the persona that her, you know, as she's getting, you know, justify my love, uh, on, on TV. Well, at least in our VHS, in our, in our, yeah. Um, you know, can we separate this, this persona from her music or, or is it, or is it just a compliment to the music or a compliment to the artistry? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, uh, I think the the '90s did change things um, with the beginning of the '90s, anyway, in, in a massive way. Um, and I think she, I mean, Vogue obviously was massive and um, was it was a huge hit. And I, I remember at the beginning of the '90s, people were were almost it's in the media. Well, she was a big in the '80s. I don't the '90s she'll she'll fade away, but obviously she she didn't, and she proved quite the opposite. Um, I think it was when we got into the erotica era, the erotica era, that um, there started to be a much bigger persona around her and and who she was as an artist, um, which wasn't didn't always do her do her fair, wasn't wasn't always fair to her. Um, she became seen as an, an overly sexualized or sexual um, artist who was purely you know, taking off her clothes and, and, and having sex on stage purely for the sheer devilment of it to, mm-hmm. to provoke us all. And the criticism is always thrown at Madonna is that she was just seeking attention. Um, she just wanted mm-hmm. attention and she wanted people to look at her. Um, and and it, she, she's not talented in any way, shape or form. She's an attention seeker. Um, yeah. And I think that erotica period, you could argue maybe hurt her, um, because the world wasn't ready for it, um, and she did, um, she did become more of a not a caricature, but she became much more of a persona. That I think there was that that element of there was a persona Madonna, and then there was the the artist Madonna. And I think the persona Madonna um, got far more attention than the artist artist Madonna. Whereas in the eighties, I think they were much more aligned, and um, there wasn't this this kind of split personality if you like um and that that hurt her for many many years um she she had to endure the 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 flack she got over the erotica album and the sex book um for many many years and she didn't really recover from that until until ray of light came out um and um yeah i would say the 90s was the period where um her persona overshadowed everything else um yeah and um it, it to her, I mean, I still think she made incredible music in that time. I don't think anything about her artistry changed. Um, but I think the media 
um, just went into overdrive with um, with what they were seeing her doing. Um, right. And, and I mean, that's an interesting point that you that little pin right there with the word media in it. And, and so many people will say, well, you know, that the media caused this sort of uproar for her that people probably would have been fine with it. But I, I just don't know about that, especially from a woman's perspective, mm. specifically when you mentioned, um, that, you know, uh, they weren't really ready for it. I don't even know if now, just because she's a woman, if if people are ready for it. I mean, I, I still see that that there's so much um, resistance, even against, let's say, um, women in rap like Cardi B, or you know, this year. Oh, she's just too much, too much. We don't need to yeah. see everything. We don't need to, uh, you know, hear about what area of you is wet or whatever. Um, but it's just this the the, the the thought is that, you know, can women do these things? Are women ever going to be ever able to own or push, uh, you know, own themselves or push the boundaries of what we, of what society tends to, you know, be okay. You know, you're able to use your voice, but don't not too much. We don't want to see, you know, we just want to look at your body. We don't want you to talk to us about it or, you know, those types of things. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you, you are you are correct there. It, it is not necessarily a Madonna thing at all. It, it is a female thing, and and um, e- even today, um, uh, you know what Madonna is was doing in in the nineties, ninety two, ninety three. Um, it would still be an incredibly hard sell um, today. Yeah, um, oh, totally. And you you kind of look back and think, how did the hell did she get away with it in in ninety two and ninety three? Um, even even as I'm thinking about it's it now, a little ballsy to think that she was doing that on a yeah. like on the level at which she was. You know, like it wasn't yeah. some. You know, like if you look at someone like Kim Petras, you know, yeah. she just put out that slut pop album. Mm. You didn't hear anything about that. You know, like I mean, it, it didn't it didn't wreck the Catholic religion. Popes weren't mm. condemning her and ex, mm. you know, kicking her out of churches and whatnot. But it's like Madonna does the sex book, and it was just like. She's just slut shamed up and down all over the place, and yeah, that's... and it will, it will. I think it will always haunt her. But um, as I, you know, as I read through your article, I was really in awe about the course of her career over the '80s and the '90s. The music, of course, also, but the artistry attached to mm-hmm. that, um, where by the you know by the end of the 1990s although ray of light was kind of like a um you know cl- closing the 90s but in a v- extremely high point for her uh mm-hmm. as as far as up till that point in her career pe- i mean there were new fans i think with ray of light new people who were interested in her music people who actually maybe never paid attention to her before even i had a yeah. friend who was such a like a hippie uh into like grateful dead and was like what's this tell me about i mean we're in college and she's like tell me about this madonna record like i might have to get that that is really mm-hmm. interesting and i and um you know Again, just no no disappointment up until mm. at least even you know through the up to the two thousands, um, and and so what's your opinion of this sort of latter day Madonna music uh, post let's say Ray of Light of you know these two thousands early two thousands up until now? Yeah, it was interesting with um with Ray and Light and music in particular in that um that whole period and up to Confessions as well she. 
she became cool again. Um, she mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. became um, this uber cool um, artist, which I don't think she did, had even even in the 80s. Um, and that was partly because, I mean, things go in cycles, and by the time the 2000s came around, the people that grew up with Madonna had become, were working in the media. And so they were fans as kids, and they they were able to promote her through the media and um and that and she as a result she kind of got this cool thing we saw it happen with the the entire 80s um you know well the 80s never seems to die but um the 80s became cool again once the people that had been through it um mm -hmm. sort of came into into adulthood and were able to write about it and talk about it um and that that definitely happened with madonna she you know she lived in the uk which at the time was kind of the cool capital of the world she married a, a who was at the time a cool movie director. Um, she was designing fashion at H&M, which was at the time was a cool, mm -hmm. cool place to be. Um, and she really did become – she had this kind of aura of um, coolness, to overuse that word, about her. Yeah. Um, and she also became much more critically acclaimed. Um, if we just go back to the Ray of Light period, which is always staggering to me, in 1999 was the first time she'd ever won Grammys for her music. Yeah. She'd won yeah. a couple in the 80s for, I think, long-form long music video or one of those bizarre categories, but she had never won a Grammy for her music until 1999. We're talking about Madonna, the biggest artist of all time, yeah. and she was completely blanked by... by um, Music Awards, so the Grammys, so yeah. the, the, the big ones anyway. So she started to get, the, and I think she won some for music as well, or was at least nominated. Um, and so she begins to get, get this kind of whole aura of respectability and um, and uh, you don't actually hear as much, you know, bad press about her, around her music. Um, but what does change is you get into this whole, um, this whole argument of she's irrelevant now, she's too old. Um, yeah. she's, mm -hmm. she's, um, she's not capable of, of making great music, even though she was. And what was great about the, the 2000s is that um, every time people would have that conversation about, you know, she's irrelevant, she can't make music, she would come back with these massive fuck you. Um, mm -hmm. And that was a great example um, of... Um, of just how brilliant she was at music in, in that period is um, after the American Life fiasco, which was, um, mm. you know, the, the video at the, at the height of the Iraq war, um, she had this, this huge backlash against that. And, and I mean, it happened to other artists as well, that the chicks and so on, where because they were seen to be anti-war, um, you know, their, their music was pulled from, from radio and pulled from TV and they were, they were shamed and, um, and called all sorts of names and, um, banned from all, all different types of things. And um, that was in many ways probably the most serious scandal she'd had because it actually affected her music sales. Um, yeah. In the past, burning in front of a field of burning crosses didn't, didn't, didn't cause a blip. Um, even erotica, taking all her clothes off and, um, and cavorting around on a highway in the nude, um, it yeah. didn't, didn't affect um, her, her sales one, one bit. Um, and... So the American Life fiasco, um, you know, it really – it was a brilliant album and it just it, – I mean, I think it went to number one in most countries, but it, it disappeared just as quickly because um, she was she was banned. Yeah. Um, and and so, um, yeah, so the, the, you, ha you have that whole conversation around in the, in the, in the early 2000s that she's irrelevant um, – uh, you know, she's she's even more desperate for attention. She's too old to be a pop star. 
Yeah. She's kissing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera on TV just for attention. And to, there was that whole commentary about she was just like this vampire that was trying to suck the lifeblood out of them <laughs> to remain. So she stayed young. young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and what was brilliant about that period and then her music in the 2000s is that it didn't stop her and she just came out over and over again with this mind-blowingly incredible music. I mean, Hung Up is probably one of her, for me anyway, is one of the best things she's ever released and, and that came at what you, could, what you could argue was a really, really low point in her career um, coming after American Life. And, um, yeah. And it was this just massive – and it was huge. I think it's one of her biggest – Maybe not a bigger selling, but um, it broke all these type of records for going to number one around the world. Um, and I think she proved in the 2000s, if nothing else, that she could still create incredible pop music and um, that that sold, and um, that yeah. any kind of commentary about her being old and over the hill was um, was was just bullshit, basically. Yeah. But I think Hard Candy was probably another rough patch, and um, I'll be open and honest and say I'm not a massie fan of the Hard Candy album. I think there are some brilliant what? on it. You and, don't love um, Candy Justice Shop? Justice for Candy Shop. Come on. <laughs> I do love Candy Justice Shop. for Candy Shop. I was disappointed she didn't do she didn't do Candy Shop at Madame Max, I gotta say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I did listen to it again recently as part of part of doing all this and I, I I liked it a lot more than I thought I did. So um there's there's the um Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a great well, album. No and it's like it's like what you said in the article, which I, I've always said two is the first time I heard one four minutes but then two the mm-hmm. the album at large was and you said it in the article there's a Madonna-ness that's missing mm-hmm. from that and it, it yeah. is, and it does like to me it still will forever be a Madonna album that doesn't sound like a Madonna album it's the least mm-hmm. Madonna sounding album out of any mm-hmm. of her albums yeah. which is very yeah. strange for me considering she was so entrenched in working on it with Timbaland and Justin and Pharrell, but mm. it's just, there's just, I think there's a little too much Justin in it and yeah. that it just doesn't sound like her. Now I've always wondered if somebody could reproduce that album and take the Pharrell sound or yeah. the, the Timbaland sound away and reproduce that album. If that would still sound less madonna or if it would be more madonna you know mm-hmm. so yeah. i don't know if there's somebody I mean, the, out there who who could do that for us but let's do it let's do it let's do it ourselves we've got a brilliant idea <laughs> i'll get started get my garage band <laughs> open here yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean there's a, madonna's always had this knack for just creating brilliant pop melodies and and that whole pop sound and you can hear it in hard candy there's there's songs where you, where that that core, that foundation is there. Um, but you're right, there's a, there's a little bit of Madonna that's been taken out of it. Um, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. She's Not Me is a brilliant track and there's there's also Madonna in that, but it probably needs something more. I've always been a big fan of Heartbeat on that album. I think that's a brilliant song. Yeah, that's Heartbeat song. was, I remember when Hard Candy came out, a, a review I had read was talking about how they didn't hear Madonna, uh, inherently Madonna in the album, but Heartbeat was they said the one song where it's like when you hear her say, you know, I feel it in my heartbeat, they're like, that's mm-hmm. Madonna. That's that's yep. probably yep. the most Madonna hook out of that entire yep. album. But I also love yep. Miles Away too. I like again, I think yep. I think the sound of it was a little too not her. And mm-hmm. it never sort of like just it, it wasn't as Madonna as we we, we needed it to be yep. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Paul, what type of music would you like to see Madonna 
foray into in her next studio album. So I know you you did respect where she went with the Madame X album and how it was sort of like, this is what she wants to do and good for her. Um, what do you think would be next for yeah. her as a, as a studio album? Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to say really because you can never, she's probably one artist where you can never predict what she's going to do next. Um, um, my, my, my normal musical preference tends towards um, sort of electronica and, and synth and, and that type of style. So I'd love to, to, to see her do something like that. Um, this is a controversial opinion in Madonna circles, but I think MDNA is one of her best albums ever. Um, I think mm, it is a okay. brilliant album, um, and I will defend it um, <laughs> defend it to the death. Um, <laughs> I think songs like "Love Spent" and "Falling Free" and "Turn Up the Radio" are, and "Give Me All Your Lovin'" are, are just um, genius pop songs. Um, my ringtone. Uh, it's my. Fa- I, I when people hear my ringtone and it's "Give Me All Your Lovin'," I always get these looks like. Really? That's your ringtone? Oh, like, mine's... I don't know, I don't know why. Mine is um, iconic. Uh, so that's so funny because <laughs> it's also like not a, like mm. that's the Madonna song, not like like a prayer or something that, you know, mm. a lot of people <laughs> right. will recognize. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Mm. I didn't know that. No, no I, you know, and Paul, I, I will, I, I love MDNA. I thought it was, when I heard Girl Gone Wild, I was like, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love that album. On the other side of that, my other controversial Madonna opinion is I, I do not like the Rebel Heart album. Um, I think that's probably one of one of her one of her worst. So um, you can come up with, with pitchforks um, and flaming crosses for that one. Um, but, <laughs> but now, now explain why, because I think you you talked about this in the article. Why don't you, you feel Rebel Heart is one of her strong points? The same reason for Hard Candy, I think, is I think Madonna has been completely stripped out of that album. Um, I mm-hmm. I hear. None of that Madonna magic in it. Um, I think it's. Um, I, I, I often wonder, which I mentioned in the article, if um, "Rebel Heart" is the album she's referring to on that infamous Instagram post to, on Guy Sierra, totally. where she's talking about how she was um, not allowed to be an artist. I think she was thrown into a room with um, with a whole bunch of artists and and told to create an album that was relevant to contemporary pop music today, and she was allowed. Um, zero control over what 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 went on on that album. I think there's a there's a beigeness to it. There's a there's a one size fits all feel to it. I don't think there's anything. Um, there's it's just not Madonna in my opinion. There yeah. are some good things on it. Uh, Living for Love is a great track, um, mm-hmm. but overall, I think it's um, a really disappointing album. Well, I was just going to say that thinking about how pushed she was into that sort of like you know on, on Heartbreak City, for example. I think I read what eight people as nine credited as yeah, nine. nine. Mm. I mean. Maybe this is also a little bit of a clue as why on Rebel Heart she really started to become more self-referential in her yeah. lyric. Yeah. Um, and, you know, where it was like, don't you motherfuckers know who I am? <laughs> like, I don't need <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah. know, I mean, there are some that are standout and most of the ones that I love are not what was on, actually on the album. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I always I mean, thought that Ghost Town was the most Madonna, Madonna song she had mm-hmm. done in years. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's still one of my favorite tracks from that album, and it didn't get the attention that I felt it deserved, but it's, to me, such a gorgeous song and yeah. was, like, a, a, a spotlight of, like, oh, here's Madonna. This is the Madonna we've been missing, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, but it's there. But I, I think it's it gets lost around the pomp and circumstance of the rest of that album. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the, 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 the argument that goes with Ghost Town is that it's a brilliant song, and if it had been sung by anyone else, it would have been a number one hit um, for right. and sold in, in the, by the truckloads or streamed by the truckloads, by the way. But to your original question, I think what I would really love to see her do is, <laughs> not Rebel Heart, um, I think <laughs> to, to go back to what made her so so successful at the beginning and so um, individual and so singular is all of her albums, um, right up until maybe Hard Candies when it started, she she hunkered down with one producer and they did it together. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they sparked off each other and they... They created brilliant music, and I would really love to see her do that again. I mean, I would love – I mean, it's, it's every Madonna fan's fantasy, but I would love her to do a record with Patrick Leonard again. I mean, I think yeah. that would be just incredible. Um, um, and, I mean, even even doing something with William, William Orbit again would be great. I mean, I know they did MDNA, and I don't think he liked the experience at all, but um, I would really love to see her do some – do something like that, get together with one producer um, and create gold um, that is um, uniquely her. And um, for my own preference, to go on to, to electronica and synth and, and that type of pop, um, that, that, would, that would be my, my Madonna fantasy of what her next album would be. Yeah, I'd just say lock her away in a room with one one yep. album writer and just knock it out like a prayer style, you know? Like, mm-hmm. two weeks, Madonna... Take the kids off to summer camp and yeah. just focus for two weeks on nothing but an album and just knock it out. You know, like 10 tracks, make it super short and sweet and perfect. And yeah. I agree. I, I'm, I'm always, give me give me a Madonna and a synth, yep. you know, and I'm, I'm in heaven. Yeah, I mean, I still love the experimental uh, aspect yeah, for yeah. her to come and say, you know, look, I know what's going on musically right now. But I'm here now. Mm. You know, I'm going to set the bar for the next uh, group of musicians or the next people who wish to be in uh, pop artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Madame X, Madame X, I know, doesn't get a lot of love with fans. Um, and I'm by no means saying it's her best album, but what I love about it, and, you know, there's no obvious hit singles and, and all that, but I think that's what makes it so incredible um, is mm-hmm. that she's doing. She can. She still proves that at, I mean, whatever she's now sixty three, she can still experiment and make stuff that no one else is making in pop music, and, and yeah. that is something applauded. Um, it's also why I'm a huge defender of the I'm Breathless album. Um, in 1990, mm-hmm. at the height of her pop fame, she releases this crazy 1930s style album. But she does it well. I mean, people argue about this, but she does it so authentically and so so well. Um, mm-hmm. Both both Madame X and I'm Breathless are just evidence of how what an incredible musical brain she has and, and what yeah, an incredible yeah. musical creator she is. Um, so I will always defend Madame X um, for for that ability she has to just do whatever the fuck she wants and and mm-hmm. and do it well. Um, so I'm all, I'm all for her continuing to, to to be experimental in that vein. I think it's um it's to be applauded and. Um, the one thing I do not want her to do is to go the other way. And, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of with, with Frozen, for example, where she just gets stuck in this self-reverential loop. And yeah. she's, um, she's always said she would never, she's never interested in going back and revisiting, you know, her past glories. And I just hope she stays true to that and we don't have a, um, an album of 12 Frozen 
one minute limit. <laughs> um, yeah, I can agree. <laughs> the worst thing you could do, I think. Hey, Stefan, I think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. All right, well, Paul, it's time for a little segment we like to call the lightning. These answers are just meant to be quick, off the top of your head, wherever you're at in your Madonna journey today. Don't think it too hard. Okay. Favorite Madonna song? I love Till Death Do Us Part from the Like a Pro album. Oh. I think incredible. It is nice. incredible. Yeah, I agree. Uh, favorite Madonna music video? Uh, yeah, um, probably like a prayer. Excellent. Oh, now see, I thought you were going to say bad girl because you were, you were, no, yes, saying yes, how many there's so many. Yes, no, sorry, girl. I changed that completely. Bad girl, bad girl, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> there are so many, and I'm, when I'm on the spot, I can't think of bad girl. It is an incredible music video, and it proves yeah. that Madonna yeah. can act. It proves Madonna can act. Yes, absolutely. Uh, favorite Madonna tour. I'm a very bad Madonna fan. I don't go to a lot of her tours. Um, I'm going to put my hand up and say it straight away. Um, but I would say um, the Reinvention Tour. Good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite Madonna movie? I I love Avisa. I also have to say I'm a massive fan. I can give two answers. I'm a massive fan of Dangerous Game. I think it's great. Oh. Another proof that Madonna can act moments. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, I always think the the marijuana scene where she's talking about the tampons or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, that needs to be on Madonna's acting reel whenever she wants to do another movie. You like yeah. that? It's like totally solidifies the fact. Yes, she can act. Yeah, yeah, she can. Uh, favorite Madonna look, and this can be from a video, a tour, a photo shoot. Oh, there's so many. There is literally so many. Um, I love the album cover for True Blue. Um, it's a beautiful shot. Um, if I had to choose, oh jeez, um, I, I love her look in the Hung Up music video. Mm. It's great. Oh a yeah, little Farrah, a little Farrah Fawcett wave. Yeah, and, uh, and actually, now that I'm seeing it behind you, Liberty, the um, the the single cover of uh, the Like a Prayer single. Ah, um, yeah. yeah. That's mm. up there as well. So I've given you three, sorry. <laughs> she looks incredible in that photo. Yeah, I, absolutely. I love I, – I, I was just re-watching um, some, something from the Confessions era today, and she just has such a fine look about her face, very mm. – um, almost pixie in um, – mm. It's very, it's just, just, she's a beautiful woman no matter what. Absolutely, yeah. no matter what. I'm, all, I'm always in awe that she did that video with every bone in her body broken, basically. I know. Right? I still think about that. I think yeah. about that Motorola Razor commercial. I don't know if you saw that. Um, mm. Biggie, it's, no. It's, I know. Gosh, but, but that I remember, I think even a friend called me like, are you okay? Madonna broke a bone. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, I'm a little, you know, I didn't even know, but thank you for worrying about me uh, in worrying about Madonna. That's a very interesting, how she relates. Everybody relates anything that happens to Madonna to me, just because by default now I'm now there, thereby associated because of my love for her. Mm, not the worst. It's not the worst thing that could happen to me. I don't think. <laughs> Very well, everyone, thank you so much, Paul. This was a delight. Um, that's our show for today. And I just want to thank you, Paul, for visiting the show and tell everyone where they can find women in pop online and on social. 
So you can find, you can buy a copy of the magazine um, at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Um, we still have copies of the latest issue available um, and back issues as well. Um, and we are on all social media. Well, sorry, not all. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And our handle is at womeninpop. And you can find us there. So nice. please follow, subscribe, join, buy. We'd love to have, have you all on board. Yeah, that would be incredible. <laughs> well, and for all for all women, particularly right now, I mean, the climate in the United States, I really think that for 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 women in in general, it's important to consider it, it isn't just how we look or how we sound or, you know, it matters also what we say, it matters also how we feel and it matters that we are also artists and also creators. Um, so thank you yeah. we appreciate it on behalf of women everywhere thank you for uh, <laughs> coming today and talking to us about this thank you it's been a pleasure thank you so much yeah. for having me and remember everybody you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MLVC Podcast if you want you can donate to the podcast on Venmo at MLVC Podcast or consider becoming a subscriber on Patreon patreon.podbean.com forward slash MLVC Podcast Paul thanks so much make sure go check out Women in Pop do it right now um paul thanks again for coming on the show this was wonderful it's great to chat with you thank you for having me so much it's been a pleasure thank you